All right. Welcome, everybody. This is the Just Our Opinion podcast. Jonathan Miller here with my co-host, Dalton Smith. Dalton, what's up, man? Hey, how's it going? Good, brother. Good. Well, hey, uh, this is the first one, first official podcast. Dalton and I have been friends for a long time. Uh, We've been talking about doing something like this uh, for a long time as well, so we're glad that we can finally you know, get it off the ground, just our opinion podcast, uh, named it just our opinion, just for that exact reason, right? We just kind of wanted to bring our truth, um, and our logic, I guess, if you want to say it like that to the table. And, you know, we think that we've been right, more right than wrong on a lot of things, but more importantly than being right, just kind of getting our opinions out there is important, um, you know, to document for us. But Dalton, why don't you, uh, you know, introduce yourself to, to everybody yeah um i'm dalton smith obviously avid sports watcher been friends with jonathan for about 13 years now and just basically became friends just based on sports said i mean we ended up sitting together in a class in a high school and i looked over at his binder and the first thing I saw was the NFL rankings list, and I pointed it out to him because instead of the Falcons, it, it happened <laughs> to say the, the Flackens on it, which, which I, I guess is accurate for Atlanta as of late because they've been full of a bunch of flack. But Oof. it just it, it, it kind of spawned from that, and that started our first conversation, and the, the rest is history. That, you know. Hope, hoping that wouldn't come up, but definitely uh, the best way to, I guess, explain, uh, you know, kind of where we sit. But, yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm a huge, huge Tennessee Titans fan, have been for as long as I can remember. But, but you know, at the same time, uh, I'm just a huge fan of football, right? Like, you know, in particular professional, but uh, just all all American football is just something that, you know, I've been a huge fan of. So watching the NFL so closely – having all those teams written on my binder just kind of goes back and kind of shows like, Hey, you know, at the end of the day, like we have our teams, but you know, we're big fans of football, which is what this podcast is going to be. It's just our opinion. going to start off with professional football. And I think it's at at some point we'll probably, we're going to branch out into some of these other sports as well, but for the time being uh, for all intents and purposes for now, we're going to be talking about football and I mean, what other way of, well, I guess before we jump into that, I'll kind of, talk about my background a little bit. Uh, my name's Jonathan Miller. Like Dalton said, we became friends in high school, but for myself, I'm uh, in the in the world of esports is my profession. I uh, work for the Dallas Mavericks currently. Uh, and then, you know, in addition to that, my hobbies are, are gaming and, and, you know, and sports, football being probably the biggest one. So, but yeah, I mean, you, you know, everybody will get to know us more and more. I'm sure people who will be listening right off the rip will be close family and friends. So all you guys know us. And for those of you who are listening who don't know us, you'll get to know us as we as we kind of open up through these conversations. But anyways, we wanted to keep the intro short. Dalton, I'm really excited tonight because we have something really special set up for our first podcast. I'll let you explain it to everybody. Yep. Yeah, so, <clears throat> you know, you know, it's the Just Our Opinion podcast and, you know, we feel like our opinions, you know, turn out to be more right than wrong a good bit of the time, not, you know, putting ourselves over or anything. But this, 
this is supposed to be more fun, I would say, than accurate in a sense, because we are going to give our first segment to y'all as a dueling mock draft. And yes. That is where you're combining two different ideologies of how the draft works. And Jonathan has the even number draft picks for the first round, and I'll be taking the odd number first round draft picks. And we kind of have to play within the parameters of each other's picks because we had no influence on each other's picks. So (laughs) odds are most of these picks probably would have been different if we had been doing our individual mocks. So there's quite a few interesting scenarios that we're going to give you. And in, in general, it's very fun. And if the draft did turn out like this, I think it would make for, for one awesome night of TV. Oh, my gosh. That is an absolute understatement. This mock turned out to be so much fun. Um but I think that we, we used some pretty good logic for all the teams. So, uh, but at the same time, I think we, how the other person drafted made it awkward at times for the other pick. So uh, I think there might be a little bit more trading than what we see, even though there are, uh, you know, we have quite a few trades in this, in this first round box. We're really excited. So Dalton, you had the odd pick, so brother, I will let you go ahead and get kick started. We're going to jump right into our joint mock draft 1.0 for 2020, just a few days away from the draft. So excited. So, Dalton, without further ado, man. All right. The dueling mock draft is now underway, and I, I feel like number one is a slam dunk, obvious pick. In my opinion, this team was willing to go 0-16 for this pick. And I think for them to even consider a trade here, it would have to easily be the biggest trade in NFL history. And even then, I think there's a chance they would not take it. (laughs) So, number one, I'm going Joe Burrow. Absolutely. The Ohio kid, no surprise here, easily had arguably one of the I mean never mind it's not even arguable he did have the single best season out of a college quarterback uh in terms of of you know your traditional quarterbacking stats I mean this guy is in my opinion the closest thing to Andrew Luck since Andrew Luck so to me Cincinnati I agree with you I think it's I think it's a slam dunk I think everybody in the world knows it's a slam dunk pick I think that they would be silly to not consider a trade option right but I think that it would have to be an absolute haul in picks in order to make it happen so I think that that's a great pick by Cincinnati there for Joe Burrow all right moving on uh this is going to be something that's not going to surprise you too much but uh as the GM for the Washington Redskins picking at number two overall uh you know before announcing the pick we did consider trading down I think much like Cincinnati, we would have to expect quite a few uh, picks in compensation, maybe even some players uh, in order for a team to move up. But realistically, I think there's only a small handful of teams that are going to be willing, not only willing to trade up, but have the currency to do so. Um, So in this case, 
Washington considers trading down, but ultimately doesn't decide on anything. So they're going to get who is very possibly uh, maybe going to be the best pass rusher uh, in the past two decades. Who knows how this will turn out, but he is a incredible talent. With the second overall pick, the Washington Redskins are going to select defensive end from Ohio State, Chase Young. And that's no surprise. Uh, I mean, he's he is an incredible talent. I believe uh, in his three seasons with Ohio State, he was uh, well over, let's see, you know, just right at 30 sacks, I believe, uh, in three seasons, which obviously 10 and a half his sophomore season, he just finished with 16 and a half sacks, um, six forced fumbles. I mean, this guy was an absolute animal his junior year. He got better every single season, but averaging 10 sacks per year for three seasons is just absolutely insane. So this guy's going to be a monster for them. So that's a slam dunk pick. Yeah, I I would agree that Washington stays tight right where they're at. The Tate Chase Young, Ron Rivera is salivating that that's his first hit, you know, with the Redskins. And as far as Chase Young goes, I, I definitely see the upside. I have my few reservations on if he meets the height, but I'll hold my judgment until we actually see him play. I mean, the tape is definitely there yep. for the most part. So, yeah, I mean, that that's the that's really the only other slam dunk pick in, in this draft is at one and two, and I know people don't necessarily – you know, think that's a sexy option. They don't like, you know, the one or even one and two being, you know, the predetermined money in the bank decisions. But yep. even with this being a loaded draft, I think that's that's what we're looking at. <clears throat> but moving on, and we're, we're going to make it really interesting really quick. Detroit is on the clock at three, and I have them trading out. I mean, the rumors have been going on for quite some time now. And I think that the L.A. Chargers mm. are the team that pays up to move up. They want to get in front of Miami and kind of make Miami's decision for them in a sense, which I'll get to in my next turn. They've already announced Tyrod as the starter for this year, which means if they're going quarterback, they're going to take the quarterback that they know has to sit yep. a whole year. At number three, the Chargers take Tua out of Alabama. And I think we all know this would have been a much closer debate between Burrow and Tua if the Tua injury had not have happened. Easily, yeah. But, but I think it plays out the same way with Burrow slightly going number one over based off the ties that Burrow already has to the state of Ohio. Yeah. Yeah, easily. I mean, I think with the injury injuries, I should say, for Tua, things are a little up in the air. But what I what I will say on my end is that I do not – I'm not buying the smokescreen uh, situation. Like, the Wonderlick scores coming out, Tua scoring a 13 on the Wonderlick. I scored a 16 on the Wonderlick. And I can tell you right now that if a team counted on me to lead – as from a personality standpoint, I'm going to lead him. Now, does the Wonderlick maybe fall into, you know, certain things like learning an offense or whatever? Sure. But to me, I think it's smokescreen. I think it's, you know, I don't care if Tua can, 
I don't care if he's a math wizard. I don't care if he's particularly great with numbers. What I care about is making smart decisions, staying healthy, and showing what he could do in college uh, and showing that at the next level. And I think that once he gets healthy, he's going to do that. I think this is a great pick for the Chargers, and I think they're in a position to, uh, you know, hand the reins to Tyrod Taylor or who knows. I mean, maybe you bring in a Jameis Winston, maybe you bring in Cam, and they compete for the starting job. And Tua has zero pressure. To, to get out onto that field. And I think that if you put yourself in that position, you know, maybe it's not one of those guys, but maybe it's like a quickie one-year rental. Maybe it's Joe Flacco. Maybe you go get a, a, a veteran to just compete with him for a year um, or two at max, and you give Tua all the time he needs, and then that's going to be his team. So I think that's a great pick. All right, so moving forward, we got the Giants picking at number four. Now this one's this is where things get interesting. Now I know what you're saying. Well, there was just a trade. Chargers just traded up. Detroit goes back to six. You know, the Chargers trade up to get to a – that's interesting, right? This is where things start to make things interesting for our mock. So this is, this is where the dual mock turned into the definition yes. of a dueling mock, where everything you thought you had prepped out got – it started to get thrown out the window. In a, in a this sense. is certainly where things got interesting. So from here – the Giants have a couple of options. The Giants can potentially move back. A uh, team could try to leapfrog, leapfrog Miami and certainly take Justin Herbert or Jordan Love away from them. Um, they could sit and take the best tackle available in the entire draft, which at this point could be up in the air between three or four players. So, you know, or they can take a you know, standout defensive player. There's a couple on the board right now. There's Derek Brown is available. Isaiah Simmons is available. Jeff Okuda is available. I mean, they are sitting in a prime position now. At this point, I think there's a good chance that they could trade back, um, a really good chance that they trade back. But in this particular mock, they ended up staying. And the reason why they ended up staying was because of the extreme lack of depth at a particular position and a player that I am personally very high on. Dalton, I know you're very high on this particular player, so I'll go ahead and announce it. With the fourth overall pick, the New York football giants select inside linebacker or just defensive extraordinaire, I should say, Isaiah Simmons from Clemson. Isaiah Simmons, to me, he rushes, uh, he gets to the quarterback off the edge, up the middle. He, you know, he, 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 you know he, he, he changes the diaper on the baby. He takes the dog for the walk. He does the dishes. He covers in the backfield well. I mean, he literally does everything. And it's for a defense that has been, you know, not very good over the past years. You know, obviously here, taking a tackle makes so much sense, and that's very possible. And trading back even makes sense for them as well, which is also possible. I mean, Jeff Okuda at this position makes sense. They, they really could do no wrong in very many ways. So we'll see how it shakes out. But to me, they take, in my opinion, arguably the best defensive player next to Chase Young. Uh, in Isaiah Simmons and fill a huge need for their defense. And I, I'll go on record, you know, I'll throw a strong opinion out there, episode one. I, I think Isaiah Simmons is the best defensive player in the Oof. Strong I, take. I believe, I believe he is going to be the leader of the defense on whatever team he lands on, and this would be the New York football Giants. Like you said, he's a do-it-all guy. He can rush the quarterback. 
He can lurk in coverage, you know, covering those speedy tight ends. He can even drop all the way back and, and be somewhat of a pseudo safety type with the four four speed that he has. Yeah. He he and he has the size. He's not like a Shane Ray type of guy that came out and everybody was like, he's the do it all guy, but he was small. Isaiah Simmons is not a small guy nope. that has everything you want to check every box. And I I I would have probably had a a tackle going right here so that's why we were saying this is kind of where it got thrown off for for us and it really started to be a dueling mock but I I think if the Giants win Isaiah Simmons it would be one of the best decisions that they've made in a long time when it comes to actually landing a cornerstone defensive guy that you can just build a ride around on one side of the football yeah, I think here's the thing. So we talked about, you know, just our opinion. This is a strong opinion that Dalton and I, Dalton and I share. And this goes all the way back to the beginning of time when it comes to drafting professional athletes. It doesn't matter what the sport is, but football is probably the best example. And that opinion is, for football, if you have a freak athlete, a physical specimen that is productive on the field during play, on tape, then that person is a slam dunk pick for the NFL. They just are, almost in every case. Now, there are some cases where, like Randy Gregory, for example, he was a physical specimen and he had great tape in college. But the problem is is that he just had some off-the-field issues. Now, when that comes into play, that's just one of those things that you can't really control. But in this case, Isaiah Simmons, no off-the-field issues, a very clean, uh, well-respected teammate in the locker room, and just an absolute freak alien of an athlete. Those players, you know, one player that we talked about last year that we were absolutely mind-blown. I don't want to get stuck on this topic, but I do want to mention it. DK Metcalf. The fact that DK Metcalf slid the way he did and was passed the way he was, Dalton and I were in absolute awe. It made no sense. The guy was a freak athlete. He showed it on the field. He showed it at the combine. And then sure enough, He's starting to show his true colors, especially towards the end of the season. Had an incredible rookie year, played phenomenally in the playoffs for the Seahawks. So I think that this is an example of that. Isaiah Simmons, an absolute freak athlete, a specimen. This guy is going to be an incredible player at the next level. A hundred percent. I mean, I think you and me both had DK Metcalf listed as one of our 10 best talents in the draft last year. Oh, easily, easily. I mean, it's – I mean, then he broke the rookie playoff debut record for receiving yards. He put up a buck sixty as a rookie in his debut in the playoffs. It shattered the rookie record. It's there are freaks, like you said, that are misses, but more times than not, the tape on the freaks does not lie. Now, was there a lack of tape with Metcalf because of the injury? Sure, but the tape that was there was great and the injury was not an issue going into the draft. I think him landing in Seattle maximized his potential day one because that I, I couldn't think of a better landing spot. Being a compliment, being a compliment and, and now probably number one, pushing Lockett to the number two where he's going to thrive and having Russell Wilson as your guy, yeah. <laughs> uh, uh, unbelievable. Yeah. Perfect scenario for everyone involved. Easily. So freak athletes, mm-hmm. you take them, and that's what the Giants did here. They get an incredible player with Isaiah Simmons. So moving forward. And, and they, they did go with the best player on the board over position of need. Yeah. 
and that's what you do when you see a, a potential all-pro talent. You take the, the best over the position of need when the pick is staring you in the face. And also when it's a freak alien. I mean, it's like the whole Megatron situation. Anyways, we're not going to get into it. We could talk hours on this stuff. So, But moving forward, yeah. the number five pick, Miami is sitting there. There is a couple of quarterbacks that will probably be taken in the first round. What's the pick, Dalton? Yeah, uh, I mean, again, I had the Chargers moving up to number three to take Tua. So they essentially made Miami's decision for them, and I think Miami would have went this way regardless. I believe the Miami Dolphins have had their eye on Mr. Justin Herbert out of Oregon, quarterback, mm. for, for, for I, I feel like a, a couple months now, and – I'm not necessarily the biggest Justin Herbert fan. I, 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 I don't like the idea of somebody going this high that never took snaps from under center, and we know the history of Oregon quarterbacks. He did have a way better than expected combine. He showed off the arm, which I was skeptical about. So I, I kind of got to check that off my box of saying, okay, he's got the arm strength, this, that, the right. other. Now it's just, it's just the mechanics. And, and just the, the actual step that needs to be taken at the pro level, the three-step drop, the five-step drop, the seven-step drop, the audibling from under center, it's all that that I, I question if Herbert should go this high because of those questions. But I think Miami is, is sold on taking their, what they think is going to be their franchise quarterback, especially with having more currency in this draft than normal. So I think they view it as a smaller risk for them because they're going to get to build other positions as well. And, and, and it's just one of those, it's going to be very interesting to see if this is the pick in, in, you know, in the actual draft. It's going to be interesting to see how he pans out. And, and maybe I'm wrong. Maybe he is, you know, what they think he's going to be worth the fifth pick. I'm just going to have to see it before I personally believe it. Yeah. Yeah, I think that, for Miami, apparently the reports are that it's a split room, uh, a split war room. Half of them believe Justin Herbert is the guy, regardless of Tua is available. And then the other half is, you know, very pro Tua. Um, but obviously, in this particular mock, the Chargers are going to leap in front of them, take Tua at three. So I think Justin Herbert at this point is the best player available. Now, there are some mocks that are basically saying that, that they maybe go Makai Becton, or they go Tristan Wirfs, they go, they go, uh, you know, best player available, best tackle available, which is obviously a huge need for them still. But to me, I think that this is the right pick. I think you have to take the quarterback, especially in a draft that's so unpredictable. Um, they don't have to spend any of their currency. They get to keep all of their picks. This doesn't cost them anything. And I think that they still get a guy that can come in and be the face of your franchise potentially. I think the, the, the obviously there's a couple of questions, but I think that with most uh, you know, most 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 players, especially at the quarterback position, are going to have those. Obviously, you're not going to slam dunk it like a Joe Burrow, but um, but I think they get pretty close, and I think they get a good quarterback that's eventually going to start for them. Another interesting situation for Justin Herbert is there's a good chance that he's just going to be able to sit for a year alongside Tua as well. So the good news is you certainly have Fitz Magic that can that can get it done. You have a very, a very also a very capable quarterback. 
uh, in our both of our opinions, <laughs> in Josh Rosen that could certainly step in as well. So Justin Herbert, there's zero uh, sense of urgency for him to start. And I think that that would be smart of, of Miami to kind of sit back and let him do that. So strong pick. For the record, jo- Josh Rosen, biggest sabotage deal of the last five years. That could be a whole separate podcast, but I figured I would just throw my uh, two cents in there. The, the guy that was sabotaged easily, so far, Josh Rosen. Easily could be a whole other whole podcast in itself. But, yeah, certainly capable player there for Josh Rosen. So, moving forward, uh, number six. So, we have the Detroit Lions uh, from the pick that – or from the trade, rather, that we had earlier – where the L.A. Chargers have moved up to number three. So the Detroit Lions are picking here, and this is where things get a little a little interesting as well. Now, this is not a hot take of a pick. Uh, many mocks have been having this player go here. But personally, if I'm the GM of the Detroit Lions sitting at number six, I'm going to go in this route. Uh, so with the sixth overall pick, the Detroit Lions select defensive tackle Derek Brown from Auburn, the best defensive tackle in the draft, interior defensive lineman, easily in the entire draft. And and I think that the reason why they go here over Jeff Okuda is I think that the interior defensive line is a much stronger need um, than corner. Obviously, I think that, you know, Trufant, uh, not exactly the exact – replica of Darius Slay, not the same production, certainly, but a very capable starter in the NFL. So I feel like, uh, you know, Okuda, would it be great to pair him on the outside uh, opposite of, of Trufant, certainly. But to me, Detroit has to get back to having pressure from the defensive line. They haven't had that since the golden years from Nadamik and Sue. And that's when their defense was at least, you know, semi-capable. So if this team is going to continue to get better on offense, if they're going to, uh, you know, chase down some of the other teams in this division, then they're going to have to to have better play from their defensive line. They're going to have to be able to uh, rush the quarterback better. And I think Derek Brown's going to help them do that. Yeah. um, uh, Derek Brown, like you said, easily the best D tackle in the draft. Um, I I probably would have had – Okuda right there, but we'll be getting to him very shortly in the parameters of this dueling mock draft. Mm-hmm. And and I'm I'm gonna seg that segue that right into what would probably be the the shocker trade of the draft. Because again, we're working within these parameters of a dual mock, and it can get wild here. And and working within the realm of logic. I'm going to choose to get wild. Mm, I like it. You have Okuda, Jeffrey Okuda, still sitting on the board. Carolina could easily take him, feel happy about, you know, landing a corner and moving on. I think they had their heart more set on Isaiah Simmons, who did not fall. And then their backup plan was Derrick Brown, who they just got pit blocked on. A team picks up the phone, and that team would happen to be the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Oof. Um, let I mean, let's face it, people. The Tampa Bay Buccaneers have arguably the worst secondary in football. 
That secondary made Teddy Bridgewater look like an all-star. It made Daniel Jones in his debut look like the second coming of Jesus Christ. And it gave they let Russell Wilson have one of his biggest career games last year. I mean, they're, they're, they, they have a great run-stopping line, but their secondary is Swiss cheese. And that's being generous. And I have Tampa Bay trading up to seven with, with Carolina moving back to 14. Huge trade. And seven overall. And at seven overall, Tampa Bay Buccaneers select Jeffrey Okuda, cornerback, Ohio State. Man. Stop that bleed secondary. That is a colossal huge trade. And I think what's interesting here is obviously the obvious picks for Tampa Bay in the first round have been offensive tackle. And that is probably still going to happen, let's be honest. But in this mock – where the players are falling as they will. You have a absolute number one overall corner. You you could easily argue that this is the best corner since Jalen Ramsey coming out, right? Um, very talented, shut down corner, plays the ball very well. I think that there's quite going to be quite a few quite a few teams, especially if he falls all the way past Detroit at number seven, where teams are going to be considering going because in a in a mock where Detroit at six takes Jeff Okuda or a situation where, where Jeff Okuda is off the board, he goes to Detroit and it's Derek Brown still available. I think there's a really good chance that Carolina stays and takes Derek Brown there. Cause I think that's a huge oh, need for them. 95% yeah. right there that, that they would go Brown. I mean, that, 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 that's easy for them. And just within the parameters of this, the way the cards fell, uh, I think this would be an easy decision for Carolina to trade back and get probably a pretty good haul from Tampa because Tampa's planning on not having very many high draft picks for the next couple of years. So they're viewing it as trading, you know, picks, you know, 20 and back of first rounders, second round, third round, 20 and back Yeah, for, for this. And, and in their mind, they're not giving up as much as what you would really think. But Carolina – is more than happy to get as many picks as they can with a new head coach, a new quarterback, you know, a, a rebuild on on the defense. You know, multiple positions need to be filled, and they need the picks. Yeah, I, I think so. It, it makes it makes sense for both. I sides. think this is a as as far fetched as it might seem. It, at the same time, it makes a lot of sense because Tampa Bay moves up. They they trade away some draft currency, which is fine. Because let's be honest. You know, you're they have a two year clock, right? Um, I mean, yep. you have Mike Evans, uh, you have Chris Godwin, you have players who are you know contracts that are going to be expi- you know expiring soon. Obviously, there's a need for offensive tackle, but it's a pretty deep draft. They can they can get a a potential you know a quality starter in the second round if they hang on to their second round pick. If not, they can find a player to fill that need. Um, and, but you've got to consider, you know, Tom Brady, he didn't exactly have the absolute best offensive lines during his tenure with the Patriots. Tom Brady did a good job in a system where he got rid of the ball quick. He didn't take a whole lot of hits. He didn't see the ground a whole lot. So I think that Tom still going to be playing at that pretty high of a level in terms of getting the ball out of his hands. So not going offensive tackle doesn't seem completely ridiculous. Improving in a position that they desperately, desperately need to get better at. I mean, this makes a pretty good Tampa Bay defense even better. I mean, 
you have pieces uh, that are coming back. You have Levante David. You have some pass rushers on that team that are just absolutely incredible. Um, so that secondary definitely needs some help. Adding yeah. Jeff Okuda, that's huge. It's all it's all about the secondary. That's the last problem spot they have on the team. And Tom Brady at age 43 is not going to want to have to go out there and get in a lot of shootouts every week because older quarterbacks to get in a lot of shootouts when it comes playoff time, they're going to have a little bit of that noodle yep. arm. That, 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 that's just father time. And this pick would stop the bleeding from where – you're going to assume every week Tampa Bay is going to give up 30-plus points. And, yeah, it just – within the parameters of, of this dueling mock, th- this makes all the sense in the world. And, and it's really driven by Tom Brady on a two-year deal. The offense will be should be set. The defensive line is fine. Stop the bleeding with the, with addressing the secondary need by moving up. I love the pick. Big-time pick for Tampa Bay. That would be huge, and everybody would love to see that. I mean, I think that it really makes things interesting, and I think that it's a two-dimensional way, a three-dimensional way of thinking, if you will. Um, So huge, huge trade there for Tampa Bay moving up to seven. That is going to put uh, Carolina down at number 14, so we'll see what they do there. But moving forward, the number eight pick, we have the Arizona Cardinals sitting at number eight. And they are licking their chops, Dalton, because they have all of these tackles. Not a single offensive tackle is off the board. So they have anybody they can choose from. They desperately need the help on the offensive line to solidify Kyler Murray. I believe he took 48 sacks or 49 sacks last season as a rookie and still put up some pretty decent rookie numbers. One offensive rookie of the year. They have got to keep him upright. Um, But, Dalton, things are getting interesting. The Arizona Cardinals, they're, they're hitting the phones because they're looking, right? Well, they're looking, and they're saying, yeah. wait, all of these offensive tackles are still on the board. We can have a, ch- we can have a choice of anybody. Makai Becton, Anthony Thomas, Jedrick Wills, Tristan Wirfs. We would like all of those guys. We would be happy with all, any of those guys. But here's the thing. We got some space. We got some time. So they get on the phones, and guess what? There's a couple of teams that really want to trade up. You know, there's a couple of teams that are picking in the late 20s that are saying, hey, we got the currency. You know, the the Eagles, the Eagles are interested. They want to move up. Minnesota's interested. They want to move up. They would love to snag one of these first wide receivers. But there's a different team. Yep, numerous calls. Numerous calls. But there's a different team, Dalton. There's a different team that's interested. And this team is picking much closer because that's the thing. Cardinals don't want to move back too far. They want to make sure they get one of their guys. And then they find the perfect trade suitor. There's an official trade that goes down. The Arizona Cardinals are trading the eighth overall pick to the Denver Broncos. The Broncos are going to be moving up from 15. The Arizona Cardinals will be moving back to 15. And they are confident that they are still going to be able to get their guy. They get themselves several picks. The Broncos are giving up quite a bit of currency, but for good reason, because they are going to build a powerhouse offense. And it starts by adding in my opinion, the absolute best wide receiver in the draft. So with the eighth overall pick, the Denver Broncos select wide receiver Jerry Judy from Alabama. I love it. Just I love it. I love the pick. It's a it, it's it's huge. So, you know, let's take a look, right? So we have 
the the New York Jets. We had the Las Vegas Raiders, the San Francisco 49ers, all picking 11, 12, and 13. Now, there is every reason to believe that the three top receivers, Jerry Judy, CeeDee Lamb, Henry Ruggs III, all three of those guys going in those three spots. And the Denver Broncos aren't stupid. They understand that. So they're looking, they're sitting at 15 and they're going, look, there's plenty of players we would love to add. We could add an offensive tackle. We could add, you know, a, a, a edge rusher, you know, to pair on the opposite side of Von Miller and, 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 you know, maybe even, you know, someone we could add like a Javon Kinlaw to help with, you know, Bradley Chubb and LeVon Miller. I mean, they can go a bunch of different ways, but they want their guy. And all they have to do is move up a, a couple of spots and the Arizona Cardinals are in position because of the way this mock turned out that where they would very happily move down. And guess what? They don't want to move down to 22. They don't want to move down to 21 with the Eagles. They want to stay in striking zone in striking position of getting their starting tackle. And there's a good chance they can do that if they only have to go down six spots or so. So guess what? They move up. They get the best route runner if they get arguably the best receiver. And in my opinion, the best receiver, you know, very, very close to, you know, Julio Jones, in my opinion. That's my NFL comparison to Jerry Judy. Has really great long strides, very smooth route runner, can get up, very physical. Now, he tested very poor with the Wonderlick. His interviewing skills, um, not very good. But, hey, guess what? There are plenty of people, plenty of players that aren't exactly PR, you know, friendly or whatever. Denver's PR team will be able to get a hold of him and groom him up. But more importantly, he is an incredible football player. He's a good teammate, uh, and he's going to be incredible to pair alongside Cortland Sutton. Drew Locke got to be licking his chops because the Denver offense just got that much better. And, and I mean, look how young the offense is. It, it would be Jerry Judy, Cortland Sutton. Drew Locke, Noah Fant, uh, Lindsey, and then your veteran of your offensive weapons is Melvin Gordon. That's 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 a whole young offense that's going to grow together, and I think thrive oh, together. Yeah. I, I think that I think that is a match made in heaven, and I think Drew Locke, if he is that fortunate in the real <laughs> draft, I, I think he should make sure he makes church every Wednesday and absolutely Sunday because. Because he will will probably be seeing the Pro Bowl very soon, if if that's the scenario that, that that plays out. And you know, I think that you know, let's let's talk about a realistic situation where let's say the Giants stay and they take a they take Tristan Wirfs. You know, at that point, you're almost looking at the same situation if you're the Cardinals. You're, there's only one guy off the board. You're looking at picks nine through 13, and you're going, there's a good chance that three of these four or five picks are going to be receivers. I mean, there's a really good chance that an Anthony Thomas or a Jedrick Wills falls to us, and we'd be happy to do so. But where this scenario makes the most sense is when Tampa Bay foregoes a offensive tackle, and they move up and they get Okuda, and then that gives the clarity of the situation going, oh, there's a really good chance that we can move back. Now, of course, Carolina in this situation moves back to 14. There's always a possibility that they go offensive tackle as well, sure up the offensive line uh, for, for you know, your $16 million man and Christian McCaffrey and your new quarterback, Teddy Bridgewater. But, you know, I think that they make the right move here. Uh, by sliding back to 15. So I think it's a it's a win-win trade for both sides. Arizona gets a plethora of picks. 
the Broncos get to move up and make and have a seriously strong offense to contest the Chiefs in that division. And 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 again, just to refer to the Giants' pick at four, that is the pick in this mock. Them going Simmons and and bucking the theory that they're a, a, like a seventy five percent lock to go tackle. Them bucking that trend in in people's minds that would have started the run on tackles, it changes this whole oh, yeah. draft because. Because all of a sudden Simmons is gone, and then people are thinking, "Well, well, maybe these tackles might slide a little bit," and it gives it gives some insurance to some other teams to to make some ballsy moves. And because I, I I think without that Simmons pick, you know, Carolina probably doesn't trade back. You know, Denver may not necessarily trade up. Um, it, it just it, it it sends a shockwave, even though Simmons is a great pick, and I think the better pick in this mock than going tackle, it sends the shockwaves for the next handful of picks and really sets the tone for the rest of the first round of the draft. It's, it's, it's the biggest pick. It's the most, it's the most important pick in this dual mock. That sets it is a round. very fun butterfly effect as we've seen, um, you know, and I think that this is very possible that this type of situation could happen, uh, you know, April 25th, you know, coming up for this, this draft, but, you know, I think that there's a couple of situations like Tampa Bay, you know, probably going tackle. But the fun part about how all this is shaken out is I think that this might be one of the one of the best smoke screens for, you know, as a draft that we've seen in a long, long time. And that's because this is a very different situation with COVID-19. Obviously, teams might have, you know, Ian Rappaport has already reported that many teams boards you know, one, I guess, GM or some internal uh, person in, in a war room for a team has said that most mocks are, quote, way off. So who knows? I mean, everything we're talking about could be crazy. Yeah. So who knows? That Tampa Bay trade, you know, this Denver trade could be right on the money. Yeah. My, my advice to everybody would be clear your calendars for April 23rd, 24th, and 25th because the deep draft, it's the first time the draft is happening like this, and, and you better grab your popcorn because th- Thursday night on the 23rd, it, 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 it can get wild. It, it really can. And, and as we just talked about, we saw the ripple effect from, from the fourth pick really stretch all the way through the eighth pick. And at, at nine, we, we have the Jaguars up. And, I mean, I think it's no surprise. They they're almost look like they're in tank mode. With, with, you know, the plethora of defensive guys getting shipped out, you know, in the last six months. And, you know, I think a lot of people would be begging Jacksonville to go wide receiver oh, yeah. here. I don't have them doing Ooh. that. They have got to fix that defense that they have gashed. I, I personally, if I, if I wouldn't have made half the moves the Jaguars have made, but Personally, I've been saying the Jaguars should be getting a wide receiver the last five years. But that's Jacksonville, and I have Jacksonville doing, you know, another Jacksonville thing here. And this isn't a knock on this player either because I'm actually a really big fan of this player. I have him going higher in this mock than what he probably will go in the draft. 
at nine, I have the Jacksonville Jaguars taking Javon Kinlaw, defensive tackle, South Carolina. It's a good pick. It's a really good pick here. Um, I think where you and I differ uh, here for me is I do think that they would go wide receiver. I mean, I think that there's a good chance they go C.D. Lamb, uh, potentially Henry Ruggs third here instead, just because do I think that they're tanking intentionally? No. Personally, I don't. But do I think that they're clearing house purposefully uh, because they're trying to shift the entire organization? Yes. But I think that, in my opinion, for the same reason that we have a particular pick happening at number 11 for the Jets is the same reason why I think that the Jaguars would pick that way at nine. I think they have a young quarterback that they need to get him weapons to make sure that they are doing the due diligence of making sure that this is the guy. Because personally, I think I, I have Garner Minshew higher. Um, I think of him much more highly than most people. Um, so I think that there's a lot there. I think he could be the guy for them. And I think trading away Nick Foles, I think that they think that also. And if you're going to trade away Nick Foles, you're not, they're not going to, they're not taking a quarterback in this draft, at least not in the first round. So my thing is, if you if if you're saying Garner, here's the keys to the franchise, then go get him a weapon. So in my opinion, I think I probably would have gone CD Lamb there. And I think I do have them going receiver in this draft, and I think they would be probably in line to take a a Chenault who is going to fall because of an injury, and he's probably a wide receiver that they do have ranked as a first round talent but because of the circumstances, he will probably be there when Jacksonville is on the clock again. So they can address the wide receiver position. I just have this gut feeling that in the parameters of this mock, I, I think they go defense here, and I think I think they – it's not even really a flyer. I just think that they, they fall in love with Ken Law's tape. He plays with a lot of heart. And, my God, if, if, that, if that's one thing that, that is not – on the Jaguars right now, it is hard. They're, ever since Paul Pazlesny retired, all those young defensive players just kind of got a mind of their own, and now half of them are gone. And I, I think they view Ken Law as a, 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 a guy that plays with his heart on his sleeve but can be a mature building block, per se, for them. And that that's why I went Ken Law here as opposed to what – the nation would be screaming of, oh, my God, Jacksonville, just take a wide receiver. <laughs> I, I think in this mock, I would have them doing that in the second round if we win. Fair enough. Far. Fair enough. Yeah, I think it's a good pick. Javon Kinlaw, uh, he's, he's a very close second to Derek Brown. I think he's an incredible talent. As long as he can stay healthy like he did uh, through his career, then I think that, that he'll have he'll, – he'll be great at the, at the next level. Obviously, the – Jaguars losing, uh, you know, a big piece and Clayus Campbell on the on that defensive line. They got to sure that up. And you know, could they go C.J. Henderson here at corner? Certainly another option for them. But Javon Kinlaw at number nine. So let's you know move this thing along a little bit here. Uh, this is going to be a pretty yeah. easy pick. Uh, very very easy for me personally. Uh, you know, for the Cleveland Browns, they're going to be taking offensive tackle now. They have the cream of the crop to choose from. They could go Tristan Wirfs here, you know, uh, a couple of different routes. But, uh, you know, personally, I think that they're going to go with 
a player who, in my opinion, has potentially the highest ceiling of all of the offensive tackles and is just downright a just a dog, a, a freak athlete at the position, and that's Makai Becton. Did he did he fail a drug test recently? Sure, you know whatever. <laughs> yeah, at the end of the day, as long as it's any nothing egregious, you know I think that that's something we can just sweep under the rug. And I believe with the new CBA rules. He only stays under a, like that pr- the drug protocol for like 90 days or something from the draft. So it's literally not even going to affect him being able to play. He'll be out there week one as long as he's healthy, and he'll be a phenomenal piece uh, to put in that left tackle position, uh, you know, opposite of uh, Jack Conklin there for, for Baker Mayfield. So that's, uh, to me, uh, you know, a slam dunk pick for them. Yeah, I think um, if the drug – Test failure did not happen. That Beckton honestly probably would have been my number one tackle on my board as well. I, I think he might fall a little further than this in the actual draft because of that. But there again, in the parameters of this one, and it being Cleveland, they and they do not shy away from people that have you know question marks. I think this is a very Cleveland hmm. pick for better or worse. Would take him Beckton, so I. I, I I don't have a problem with that in this dueling. All right, moving forward. Number 11, the New York Jets. Dalton, take us through it. I think this is one of the picks in this draft that is an actual reflection of what we will see on on draft day. And I really don't even need to spend much time on, on the logic here. You have Sam Darnold. He has absolutely no weapons. Unless you're trying to force him out of the league, you know, very soon you have to address the wide receiver position. And they're going to get a guy that on on some people's boards is the number one receiver. I agree with Jonathan where I'm a Jerry Judy guy when it comes to him being the head and shoulders. Or not head and shoulders, but the number one receiver in the draft. I agree with Jonathan that Jerry Judy's that guy. But at 11, the Jets take C.D. Lamb, wide receiver, Oklahoma. Yeah. A, 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 a go-getter, a do-it-all guy, very good route runner. I, I see him being able to at least at least give Sam Darnold somebody to throw the ball to. And that, that I think most people that, that watch football realize that, that the Jets have to go wide receiver right here. So C.D. Lamb is, is, is the undisputed. Player. Yeah, and I, th- I think it just comes right back down to the same, you know, logic that we were talking about with Jacksonville, right? You have a young quarterback in Sam Darnold who, you know, battled mono last season and, and you know, had some pieces that he was given. But, you know, you have Adam Gase, who I'm personally not a huge fan of, um, kind of like that head coach GM Jackie Moon situation like they have with Bill O'Brien in Houston. Not a huge fan of that, but I mean, let let's not sugarcoat it. He's a jabroni. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Adam Gates is a jabroni. And 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 I think that, you know, you know, for Sam Darnold, you got to get him some weapons. You ship out Robbie Anderson who is arguably his best weapon there. Um he he needs some talent. So like you said, don't got to spend a lot of time on this one. I think CD Lamb assuming he is there at 11, is 100% going to be a New York Jet, um, which takes us right into the Las Vegas Raiders. Um, 
not going to spend too much on t- time and justification on this one either. I think that, you know, considering they're picking number 12 and number 19, I think they're two biggest areas of need that they're going to want to address. Potentially wide receiver. Um, I think that uh, Hunter Renfro and, and, you know, some of the guys that they have in that wide receiver room could definitely use a boost, but but definitely not bad in terms of weapons for the Raiders. And then, of course, defensive backfield, Definitely could use some help. Uh, Jonathan Adams, I believe is his name. Great talent back there, but not going to be enough for them. They got to improve, uh, especially being in a division with, you know, some just insane talent. And we were talking about Jerry Judy getting added <laughs> to Denver and some of these other aspects. So anyways, um, and number 12, I think that it's going to be, probably a wide receiver at this point. Uh, Henry Ruggs III is going to be the pick, wide receiver Alabama. And the justification behind that is, you know, adding speed to the Raiders' offense, which is certainly their their MO that they've had for a very long time. Uh, but more importantly, I think Henry Ruggs doesn't get enough credit as a route runner. He's just a pure playmaker, so he'll be a great addition uh, to that offense. Going to give Derek Carr, potentially Marcus Mariota, another uh, – you know, great talent uh, to add to that offense. So I think that's going to be the pick for the Raiders at number 12. Now they could have gone CJ Henderson here and then potentially address the wide receiver position in 19. To me, Henry Ruggs, the third being the last to me, Jerry, Judy, CD lamb, Henry Ruggs are kind of in their own bubble of talent. And then below that, it's like all those guys are a tier. And then below that B tier starts with, you know, your Justin Jefferson and so on, so on. So to me, I think they go ahead and make the choice to go Henry Ruggs. There's a lot of talent at cornerback that they could potentially fill at 19. Yeah, I, I think however you cut it here, whoever Vegas has as their number three wide receiver in this draft, that will be the, the pick here. Uh, and, and, you know, even if – they're going to take the best wide receiver available on the board at 12. I think that's a slam dunk, just like the Jets going with with the best wide receiver on the board at 11. I I think any way you cut it here, the Jets and Vegas are going, you know, wide receivers, period. So, yeah, not not much justification that needs to be said there. And that that segues right into 13. Uh, San Francisco's on the clock. Again, not not much to say here. They're going to get C.J. Henderson, cornerback, Florida. Great pick. Um, Henderson's been – Henderson's been flying up the, the board for a lot of teams. There's some teams that have him right there with Okuda at, at this point. And, you know, R- Richard Sherman's not going to play five to seven more years. So I, I think this is the perfect opportunity for them to just go ahead and grab their future. And, and I think they, they probably do believe in C.J. Henderson. The tape is good. He played for an established school. And – I mean, they traded DeForest Buckner for this pick. I believe if Kinlaw was still on the board, then Javon Kinlaw would have been oh, the slam dunk easily. pick here. But in this, in the parameters of this dueling mock, they're going to go with C.J. Henderson and 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 stash him away, and 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 eventually he's going to be the guy that, that they can throw right on in. And not miss a beat when when you're having to fill a corner a corner position. 100%. Yeah, I think he's you know I think it's a similar situation with uh, 
CeeDee Lamb and, and Jerry Judy, where you have two talents that are very closely, very, very closely rated. So to me, CJ Henderson, not much of a step down from Jeff Okuda. Great lockdown corner, like you said, played in a really good division, played against a lot of top talent and, and played against those top wide receivers very well. So I think he's a great pick for, for San Fran. So like you said, not exactly the ideal choice, but a, but a really good one. So moving forward. One, one, that, one that they're not going to complain oh, about. No. Oh, no, no. They'll be happy to take him and then, you know, potentially be able to address the wide receiver, potentially adding some, some offensive weapons later in the draft. So we'll see what they do at 31. But moving forward, number 14, we got Carolina picking at number 14 via the trade with Tampa Bay. Uh, so, you know, jumping into this one, obviously they had some options they could go. You know, offensive tackle, there's certainly, you know, three stellar tackles still on the board that could go that route. And then, you know, as well as some defensive playmakers. And this one, um, think they think they're going to go defensive playmakers here. Uh, obviously, just lost a huge, the heart and soul of their defense. Um, if I, I believe if Luke Keekley would have continued to play, he could have, you know, he, he'd be wearing a gold jacket easily. Um, but. I, I I think he still will be wearing a, a gold jacket when his uh, name pops up on yeah, the ballot. Yeah, I mean, there's certainly a good chance that he makes it. I mean, just a stellar career. So, regardless, uh, left a huge, huge void in the linebacker room. So, they are going to go with a incredible defensive talent outside linebacker, Caleb on, Chase on. So, they're going to fill a big need there. Going to be a good edge uh, as well as outside backer for the Carolina Panthers. So still moving back to 14, they're able to fill a huge defensive playmaking need. Yep, I, I, I like that because they obviously had their eye on Isaiah Simmons. And again, going back to that Giants pick at four, that's what changed everything in, in this mock. And they they moved back and with confidence got, the second best linebacker on the board. They're feeling good. They've got picks stashed away and that they got a guy that they can work with moving forward at that position. hundred percent. Yep. Love the pick. So moving on then, 15, we got the Arizona Cardinals. Yep. This is where it gets interesting, right? The, I mean, the, the Cardinals have more than lucked their way into this pick just with, with, with the way, the cards that fell here and the tackles that that's loaded tackle class instead of it creating the premium for everybody to take them fast and furious early it's actually done the adverse effect of making everybody go grab all the other pieces and make the tackles fall as a group to where only Beckton is gone here and it's it's absolute best case scenario for Arizona they're, they're they're in their war room going crazy saying we made these moves and we still get our guy that we thought was going to be gone at pick number (laughs) four that that they're moonwalking cartwheeling tap dancing to their phone to call in that they got Tristan Wirfs tackle for miles. I mean, this is an absolute slam dunk for Steve Keim and the Arizona Cardinals. I mean, like you said, a player that shouldn't have even been there at, at, at eight, let alone at 15 with all these crazy things happening. But I think there's a lot of predictable situations. Now, I will say this. 
do I think that the Jets, the Raiders, and the Niners go wide receiver, wide receiver, wide receiver, assuming there's three, those three talents there? I do. But something that's interesting to consider with how everything played out in that top 10, Makai Becton going number 10, and then Tristan Wirfs sitting there at number 11 for the Jets, that still might be something to consider because can you go wide receiver in the second round if you're the Jets and fill a need? You know, are, are they going to be as good as CeeDee Lamb? Certainly not. But is it going to be a talented receiver that you could add? Yes. Now, personally, I think that CeeDee Lamb is, is the pick regardless if Werfs is on the board. So, but the point I'm trying to make is Tristan Werfs, arguably the best offensive tackle, he had a phenomenal career uh, at Iowa, had a phenomenal pro uh, senior day or senior bowl. You know, he just an incredible, incredible talent. So, there's a good chance that he gets picked, you know, 11, maybe even 14. But for Arizona to trade back all the way to 15, get a stock up of picks uh, from Denver, and then also get the guy that should have been gone before they even picked, this is a, just a slam dunk of the draft. I think Arizona, I love these other picks. Like, I love Denver, picking, you know, moving up Jerry Judy, getting them. I love Tampa Bay moving up and getting Okuda at seven. You know, I love the L.A. Chargers grabbing Tua and Isaiah Simmons to four at the Giants in this mock. I love a lot of these picks from these teams. But to me, so far, the winner of this draft, hands down, depending on compensation, is easily the Arizona Cardinals. Yeah, another 100% right there. They got the biggest value pick so far in, in the draft. And I think a lot of GMs are going to kind of look and be like, wow, okay, we we see what they just did, and now we're going to be taking the Cardinals very seriously. Absolutely, yeah. I think you, I think you certainly have to. Um, but, yeah, so just a great pick there. Don't have to spend too much time on that. But now we talked about things getting interesting. Guess what? At pick number 16, the Atlanta Falcons, things stay interesting. Now, they could go a, a couple of different ways here. You know, obviously, there's a there's a couple of corners on the board. Christian Fulton, Jeff Gladney, two players that would be absolute plug-and-plays, uh, two corners that do a good job of locking down uh, those man-to-man coverage situations. So that would be great for them. I mean, there's two phenomenal offensive tackles that certainly should have been off the board by 16 now that they could potentially consider, right? Um, they lost a little bit of depth at, at offensive line. I mean, there's some incredible talent here but where they go may surprise many of you as the gm mock gm of the atlanta falcons with the 16th overall pick the atlanta falcons select quarterback jordan love utah state now and there's the mic drop of the draft easily now 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 hear me out so with this pick personally the state of the Arizona Cardinals, as, as someone looking outside in, I think that they're a great team, or they're a good football team. They're well-coached. I think Dan Quinn is great. I think his staff is great. I think they're an awesome franchise. You mean, you mean the Falcons? Yes, yeah, the Falcons, sorry. Um, but, I, but the biggest thing for me in this position with Matt Ryan as the quarterback is that you're going to have to move on from him sooner rather than later. He's not the future of the franchise, right? Um, and that's and that's being polite. So I think that they have to replace that. Now, personally, in a fantasy situation, I think that 
a backup quarterback for the Falcons right now, the perfect guy would be Jameis Winston. I would love for him to go back to the NFC South, sit, wait, define his craft, and then just come in and take over that, that division. But if that doesn't happen, I think the next best situation is to start grooming the heir apparent. You have Matt Ryan, who's perfectly healthy, can still play at a high level. He can stay in there. Jordan Love can sit back as long as he needs to, a year or two years. This is a perfect situation for this entire draft class of quarterbacks. Tua gets to sit back and watch and learn and get healthy. Justin Herbert gets to sit back, watch and learn, and then just get acclimated properly to the, to the pro football landscape. And then here, Jordan Love gets to do the same. I think that all three of these quarterbacks could be very good long-term as long as they don't get rushed onto the field. And with how this mock is shaking out, I think we've given that opportunity to all of them. Absolutely. Um, yeah, th- this this is another one where some teams may be lurking back further in the first round. Are like, oh wow, and that they just they kind of they kind of gather up in their war rooms and like are like, well, the, that option's gone. And I mean, it makes sense. I mean, you know, there was this guy named Aaron Rodgers that got taken and you know sat behind Brett Favre for a few years. <laughs> you know, I, I don't think it's so wild to think that. You know, and, and also this can be a power move for Dan Quinn trying to, to save his job because if he invests this type of pick in a young quarterback, then I think it might make him less fireable because he had a hand in picking the future direction of the franchise. Yeah. That was kind of the um, justification going into so it, it, too, was with the pick. Yeah, it, it, it might – it might be Dan Quinn, in a sense, putting his nuts on the table. And there, there's no other way I can say that. I, I think that's a, that's a ballsy move that it, e- it either does get him fired or, more logically, I think it, it extends his leash an extra year or two because he can have that dangling carrot of, well, hey, I've still got Jordan Love I can play with here. If nothing's clicking, I can just throw in the guy that I wanted and we can see the results there. So it, it might, theoretically, it would buy him more time. Yeah. And then, you know, more importantly, obviously Dan Quinn, somebody that they, you know, I mean, he took him to the Super Bowl, a Super Bowl that they should have won. Was it the worst Super Bowl loss in NFL history? Yes, it was. Should they have won? Absolutely. So I think that that's, that stands to say something. Was it maybe poorly coached or maybe just a clutch from the Patriots? That, you know, is a conversation for another day. But nonetheless, I think it's still a salvageable franchise with a salvageable coaching staff, a good coaching staff. Uh, and I think this could potentially, like you said, save save those jobs and, you know, bring in the heir apparent for Matt Ryan and the, and the Dirty Birds down there. So with that, we'll move forward. Dallas picking number 17. There's still some great corners on the board, but we have an interesting pick here. Dalton, take it away. Yeah, at 17, I looked at what was on the board, and, you know, we talked about the tackles falling, and, you know, I think it's a secret that that uh, in, in Jerry world, he loves stacking that offensive line, and I, I think this is just a sense where he looks at the board. You know, yeah, you lost Byron Jones. You just, you know, you lost him to pay Amari Cooper, but ultimately the biggest investment on that team is Ezekiel Elliott. I don't think anyone would disagree with that. Zeke is the right. star, and you 
you keep on building that offensive line to where you're going to have interchangeable pieces when either some of these big contracts expire and you don't want to renew or some people are expecting to get paid and you don't want to pay them in general. So this is just adding depth to one of the better lines in football and it's taken arguably the best player available. They're going to take offensive tackle out of Alabama, Jedrick Wills. I, I just, it, it's a very, it's a very Jerry pick. And that, that's why I did it. That's why I did it. It's adding, it's just adding depth to an already really, really, really good line. Yeah. I think that this is, uh, I mean, it, it's a good pick. And I think it's one of those interesting picks that kind of fall in place with like the Okuda trade, uh, you know, Derek Brown pick, the Javon Kenlaw pick with the Jacksonville Jaguars, right? So looking at number 17, Jedrick Wills coming in, uh, a phenomenal, phenomenal player, arguably. So, again, I think he kind of falls into the top three where you could argue that he's the best tackle in the draft. I think between Jedrick, Makai Becton, and um, and Tristan Wirfs, I think that you have three guys who are potentially 1A, B, and C, right? So – Getting a phenomenal talent, you know, they're going to have to start paying those offensive offensive linemen as those contracts start to expire. So it's kind of getting ahead of it. And I think at this point, taking the best player available on the board um, as opposed to going cornerback, which they might be able to fill the need in the second round. But we're starting to see that's a trend. And who knows? I think that talent will probably get nabbed up early in the second round. So some of these teams picking in the mid to late second round might lose out on, on that option. But Regardless, uh, we'll keep it moving from there. Jerry Jones and the Dallas Cowboys go offensive tackle, which might surprise many. Uh, But with the 18th overall pick, uh, the Miami Dolphins, you know, this should be a fairly easy pick now that the top three offensive tackles have fallen off the board. There's still an incredible one in Andrew Thomas, um, who is going to be shoring up the left side of that that blind side or the – yeah, the blind side for Justin Herbert there uh, with – Andrew Thomas, offensive tackle from Georgia. This is a pretty easy, simple pick. I won't spend too much time on it. Just the best player uh, offensive tackle on the board at this point is going to fill that need for them at 18. Yeah, and and I see where you went with this pick. You know, probably the best player on the board available. And also in the parameters of this, you know, you're protecting your investments. He's going to be the future guy protecting Justin Herbert. So, it, I mean, it makes sense on multiple levels. And I'll use that to segue into the 19th pick where I was picking for the Las Vegas Raiders. And I think there again, there's no secret that they need help in their secondary. And they addressed one of their main offensive needs at 12 with rugs in this draft. So, again, they're going to address probably their biggest defensive need and doesn't really need much explaining. I think they're going to go Christian Fulton, cornerback LSU. Yeah, this is a good pick. Lockdown guy uh, out of LSU. And, you know, talked about Mayock, likes his championship caliber players. So, certainly a good pick there. Yep. Yep. He he has, so far, it's a short track record, but a track record nonetheless of taking your established guys that were on championship teams. And this falls into that mold. So, I'll I'll let you go ahead and get on into the for sure as we get you know to this back end of this draft. I'm certain that uh, we'll kind of blow through these picks, but with the 20th overall pick, uh, Jacksonville Jaguars, they have 
a glaring need in the defensive backfield, and there is an incredible lockdown player um, that they're going to go ahead and go with. So with the 20th overall pick, the Jacksonville Jaguars select cornerback Jeff Gladney from TCU. I think this is a slam dunk pick for the Jacksonville Jaguars. They lost A.J. Boye a season ago, losing Jalen Ramsey via trade. I mean, there is a massive gap in the uh, the, the defensive backfield for the Jacksonville Jaguars. I mean, you have T.Y. Hilton, you have A.J. Brown. Um, I would say DeAndre Hopkins, but uh, <laughs> not the case anymore. Uh, but some talented wide receivers in that division that they are going to need somebody to lock down uh, those number one overall guys, right? So Jeff Gladney, just a incredible corner and just a really good pick. Gladney, in my opinion, uh, ranking my cornerbacks, I'm a little bit higher on Jeff Gladney uh, of, uh, outside other than Christian Fulton, to me, Gladney is my third uh, ranked corner in, in on my personal list. So th- this is an incredible pick for them. Interesting. Interesting. I, I, I like it because it kind of piggybacks off of where I went earlier, where Jag, the Jaguars in the first round are addressing the defense. Their defense got gutted, and this follows that the, the, the kind of same trend that I said earlier with their addressing the defense in the first round. And that's why I love that pick. And going to another team here that, you know, the fan base would probably scream, oh, my God, where's the <laughs> wide receiver at? Sorry, Philly, I'm going to oh, no. disappoint you again. Um, y- y'all are going to wait until later in the draft as well because right now I think you need some, some defense. And, and I think this is another guy that, that you know, Got it. Has a good story. Plays with his heart on his sleeve. Has the championship pedigree. I, I think you're going to start to uh, build up the middle of that defense, and you're going to go outside linebacker out of LSU, Mr. Mm. Patrick Queen, who, who who definitely does not play. Like Absolutely him. not. This, this, <laughs> this man, he's, he's got a he's got a crown on uh, for sure. I mean, he he's an, just a super intelligent linebacker. Played with a lot of speed. Uh, covers the you know the field well and pass pass protection as well. So or I'm sorry, pass coverage as well. So I think that this is a good pick for them. Um, personally, I think I probably would have gone Justin Jefferson, probably would have gone wide receiver here. It seems like uh, they're, that that's going to be a glaring need for them. Um, but outside of that, I think that the, the Patrick Queen pick maybe isn't the sexiest pick, but to me, definitely fills a, a huge void uh, in that defense and, and, you know, definitely improves that that second level of uh, of defense, and you know Patrick Queen can get off to the quarterback as well too. So I think that's a great pick for them. Um, moving forward, uh, pick number twenty two, the Minnesota Vikings. Uh, with that pick of Patrick Queen, the Vikings are are absolutely overjoyed to be able to go ahead and go wide receiver here at number 22. And they are going to pick Justin Jefferson, wide receiver from LSU, uh, going to fill that void. And, and that just broke a lot Certainly of hearts. Certainly did, you know, mix, <laughs> mix things up. I mean, you know, at, at 22, I think that the uh, the Vikings could certainly go cornerback here. Um, but but I think they're going to pick, you know, picking again just after the Patriots and the Saints. The Saints, both of those teams could certainly go corner. Um, but I believe the McCourtney, McCourty brothers are back for the Patriots. 
And, uh, I mean, the Saints could very well go corner, but I think that the, the Vikings are in a situation where they felt like Justin Jefferson fell to them. So they were happy to go ahead and snag him um, as to maybe not lose him to the Saints or even the Patriots. Uh, so they're just going to go ahead and shore up and grab their guy. Yep, I, I agree with the pick. Um, I, I maybe would have went corner right here, but if it wasn't going to be a corner, then it was definitely going to be Justin Jefferson. Because, I mean, I, I think that's their two biggest positions in need is wide receiver and corner. So, and and we'll, we'll get to Minnesota's second pick here in just a little bit. So, segueing to the 23rd pick in the draft, I mean, and when it's draft day and you see the Patriots on the board, you you never really truly <laughs> know what's going to happen. They could trade back. They could take somebody that everybody had ranked lower, and all of a sudden they become a pro bowler in their first or second year. You just you all you always have your eyes on the Patriots on draft day because you just never really know. And this is another one. I I think they stick to arguably the best player left on the board, maybe entertain a few trade offers, but no, they, they, they don't. there's nobody that they're going to trade back and say, hey, this guy fell to us. So I think they're, they're going to stick right here. They're going to they're gonna build, not necessarily even build up the secondary, but they're going to they're gonna try to re-solidify that secondary. And I, I think that another guy with championship pedigree and good tape, they're going safety out of LSU Grant Oof. Delta, right? Yeah, here. this is a, this is a good pick. I think that a lot of people have Xavier McKinney over Grant Delpit. I think Grant Delpit arguably has, you know, better intangibles, and and I feel like they both cover the the, the backfield really well. But Oof. Grant, I think, is being slept on just a little bit. So I feel like that's a very Belichick pick of a player that he evaluates on yep. the back end and goes, yeah, this is absolutely our guy. Certainly maybe Jordan Love, if available at 23, would potentially be considered here. Who knows uh, what New England does, but I think that they get a very quality uh, defensive uh, player to kind of fill that need. Now, personally, if I were picking at 23 here for them, I think I would have gone um, – Linebacker Kenneth Murray from Oklahoma. I think it fills a need with Kyle Van Noy leaving, Jamie Collins leaving. Uh, their linebacker room is is paper thin right now, and I feel like they could really use the help there. So I think I probably would have gone in that direction. But Grandel Pitt, uh, need, nonetheless, still still a good a good pick there. But all right, uh, we'll move it forward here as we go on to the New Orleans Saints picking at number 24, and I'll spend very little time on this one because I feel like it's a slam dunk pick for the Saints. It fills a big need, and it's also an incredible talent that I personally am very high on, and that's linebacker Kenneth Murray from Oklahoma. Just talked about, you know, I, I would have taken them uh, for the Patriots at 23. I think that would have been a good fit, but nonetheless, the Saints are happy to have him. Could they have gone wide receiver here? Certainly. Could they have gone to Denzel Mims, potentially a T Higgins? That would have been great to add another weapon, but Emmanuel Sanders is going to pair up uh, there for, for the saints and be another pick, uh, another added piece there. But I think that that Drew Brees offense is going to click on all cylinders. They certainly have not had a problem with scoring the football. To me, their defense has to get better uh, and they have a huge need at, at the linebacker position. So I think Kenneth Murray comes in, he brings leadership at a young age. He's, you know, he's been highly touted as, as a great teammate and a really good leader. 
So he'll come in, be a, a huge boost for the middle of that defense for the New Orleans Saints. Yeah, and and I, I agree here. I think in the parameters of this mock, they were praying that New England did oh, not yeah. go Kenneth oh, Murray. Yeah. So so they could so they could just have that fall in their lap. So I, I I agree. I have really no counter arguments to suggest that they wouldn't go that way because I think that would be the obvious <laughs> Um moving to Minnesota at twenty five. We've already talked about what their needs were. They addressed the first one at 22 with a wide receiver. And, you know, Minnesota fans, don't don't throw your uh, big <laughs> jerseys away just yet. Probably just need to change the number on it because they're going Trayvon Diggs, cornerback Alabama at 25. I mean, they lost Xavier Rhodes. They lost Trey Waynes. They, they need bodies. They need multiple – they need multiple corners, and I, I think they're going to get multiple corners in this draft. They might even go corner at 22. If I had that pick, I probably would have had them go in corner and then maybe even another corner right here and waiting on the receiver. But right here I have them going Trayvon Diggs. They start to rebuild the, the corner position, and, I mean, I, I feel like that would be the obvious pick at this point. Yeah, I mean, I, I'm pretty high on Trayvon Diggs. Uh, I really, really like him. I think he, you know, has very good similarities to some of the other man man coverage corners in the draft. Um, personally, I think that he's going to be a first round pick, whether it's at Minnesota, um, you know, potentially Tennessee, potentially thirty one. If if San Francisco for whatever reason doesn't go yeah, corner at thirteen, anywhere. Anywhere between twenty and thirty is probably yeah, yeah. fair game. You know, AJ Terrell also honorable mention, Jalen Johnson in this in these positions, so we could see those guys go as well. But uh, great, great pick for for Minnesota. Hopefully, there's that, that dig situation with his brother uh, doesn't make things awkward. But I think he would be a a, a good fit for them there. Awesome. So moving forward, uh, as we're getting closer to the end, we're going to. Um, Move through these pretty quickly. These are just, you know, I would say I think I could speak for Dalton when I say that this part of it was certainly challenging because there's a couple of teams that will probably pick um, happily at these points at this point in the first round. But I think that there's quite a few teams from 27 to 32 or from 27 to 30 that would probably be happy to trade back. Um, but for this particular pick the Dolphins won't be trading back because they're going to be ecstatic to add another piece to their offensive line fill these holes make sure that they have nice young talent that will be solidified moving forward when their new franchise quarterback takes the reins and that's going to be the best center in the draft center Caesar Ruiz from Michigan Uh, he's going to come in he's a day one starter in my opinion a great talent there's a huge drop-off from Caesar to, you know, the rest of the center pool here. So I think that this is a great pick for them at 26. Now they could have added some other pieces. They could go running back here, um, which to me would, would make plenty of sense. They could even go wide receiver. There's a couple of guys, a couple of wide receivers on the board that I'm really high on still Denzel Mims, T Higgins are still there. Um, I mean, they could even go Xavier McKinney here and add to the save. I mean, there are a plethora of ways they could go, but to me, 
you know, adding to that offensive line would certainly be a good idea. And since there's such a huge drop-off from Cesar Ruiz to the rest of the center pool, I think going ahead and snagging him would be huge because if they don't, I think they could potentially lose him to, you know, the Ravens, potentially, you know, potentially the Chiefs or somebody like that. So, yeah, in in my first individual mock, I, I had this was one of the first picks I had mock. I'm I immediately jumped to 26, and I put Cesar Ruiz in 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 this spot in my my first individual mock that I did. I, I think this is one of those picks. Like I said, slam dunk, no brainer, best center in the draft. He's on the board in the mid 20s. I think any team that 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 was in need like the Dolphins are at that position would would take that and just laugh all the way to the ba- all the way to the bank with it. One thing I will say is, is back at eighteen with Miami, I think I think if Miami's going running back in the first round, I think in in the actual draft, the eighteenth pick would be a pick a pick to keep your eye on because I, I think that would be the pick that Miami Miami maybe goes running back, but twenty six. Cesar Ruiz, I agree. It's, it's a virtual yeah. lock. And I think, you know, um, you talk about the running back situation, certainly that that could be an option. But in this particular mock, I think the reason why, um, yeah, I mean, I mean, you're sitting there. Andrew Thomas is sitting there at, at 18. You certainly snag him. But if those guys, yeah, you, you can't, if those yeah, guys you, you are can't gone, pass. to your pass. point, I think running back is certainly an intriguing option because yeah. they could circle around at 26. And, I mean, you still have some some really great options on the board. I mean, you have Isaiah Wilson. You have uh, Ezra Cleveland, which I'm particularly high on. Josh Jones. There are a lot of really good offensive tackles that would still be on the board for them at 26. So, I think that's a good point to point out. Yeah, and, and you know, I, have, I had Herbert at five to Miami. And what you did with the next two Dolphins picks is basically solidify his front line for the next however many years he's the guy. I mean, it, it, it makes sense on all levels yeah. in this mock. Um, m- moving to 27, you know, speaking of uh, speaking of running backs, you know, you're, you're thinking, you know, Seattle has this pick, and, you know, yeah, you know, Rashard Penny so far is, I, I would say, a bust for being a number one, a first-round running back. I think Rashad Penny's the best so far. Chris Carson. I, when healthy, has been really good, but I don't have Seattle going mm. running back here. I have a team that has potentially had the best draft so far when it comes to making moves and landing value coming back into the first round. They've got the assets to do it through a trade earlier, and they probably wouldn't even have to give up all those assets, maybe just a, a few of them. I have the Arizona Cardinals Ooh, coming back me. into the first round. Let's go. And Kenyon Drake is on a, on a, 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 a what a franchise tag for eight million. Yep. They shipped out David Johnson. I, I don't think Chase Edmonds is a long term solution. They're going to land their long term solution. A lot of people are high on on Swift. I think on draft day, some teams will come to their senses and realize that Jonathan Taylor is probably the best back in this draft. And at 27, I have the Arizona Cardinals finishing off their, their offensive you know, renaissance and going Jonathan Taylor this running back. This is a Thomas. great pick, and I love the fact that they traded back into the first round to snag 
their guy. Uh, I agree with you. I think that, you know, DeAndre Swift, great talent. I think that he certainly is going to be, you know, a cradle rocker in the NFL. Um, but Jonathan Taylor, to me, is a absolute stud. I mean, you talk about four years of incredible incredible production at the co- the collegiate level. But one thing I think that it speaks to more than anything is his durability. I think that Jonathan Taylor is going to be incredibly durable. I think that he is going to be able to be a standalone number one. And I think that you have a good point. Kenyon Drake was an awesome band-aid for them. And I think that Kenyon Drake is a great utility running back, but I don't know if he's that number one guy. So Arizona trading up, Getting who I think is definitely a number one guy is a phenomenal pick. Absolute, absolutely. So again, we talked about Cardinals being winning yeah, the draft. I mean, I mean, this this is further solidifying that for me for sure. Yeah, a hundred percent. And I mean, really, you know, it feels like Jonathan Taylor was at Wisconsin for four years. He was only there for three years. Jonathan Taylor broke the NCAA rushing record in. Three oh wow! I didn't know years. that. That is that is impressive. Holy cow! In, in, in three seasons, he has six thousand one hundred and seventy-four yards and fifty rushing touchdowns, with an, a career average of six point seven a rip. Why people are selling him short in this draft, I have no idea. I I, I think. Jonathan Taylor checks all the boxes. Obviously, with running backs, you do, you know, there is a wait and see when they get to the pro level. Oh. But I think he should undisputedly be the first back off the board in this draft. And I have Arizona scratching yet another winning lottery <laughs> ticket in the You're first right, round just of three the draft. years. And then, in addition to that, I mean, his, his combine numbers were incredible as well. He ran a sub 4440, just absolute blazing speed, 36 inch vertical. I mean, this guy. This guy is an absolute stud, and I think more so than anything, his production speak, absolutely speaks for itself. So this is a phenomenal pick for the Arizona Cardinals. So slam dunk there for the Cardinals. Let's try to finish this thing out. Um, so moving on to the number 28 pick, we got the Baltimore Ravens. Now here at 28, I considered a couple of different options. Do I think that at this point, given this particular mock and where the players have fallen, I there's – a couple of needs that I think would be a bit of a reach for them at 28. So personally, I think they're going to try to trade out of this position given this situation. Now, as I looked at the talent pool, looking at their depth chart for wide receiver, they got Hollywood Brown, who was, you know, a bit banged up, had was incredibly productive when he was healthy, Um, showed flashes that he could certainly stretch the field, which is awesome. Uh, But again, was really banged up, so hopefully that isn't a lingering issue for him. And then Willie Sneed, also someone who's been injury-prone, you know, and not exactly a number one guy. He's going to facilitate that number two, number three spot. So outside of that, absolute Randy Jefferson's on the on the wide receiver depth chart. So considering everything, they could go <laughs> defense here. They need an outside linebacker, outside of Matthew Judon. They have, there's a lot of need there. Uh, and Judon is on a franchise tag as well, so they certainly need that. They could have gone Zach uh, Bond here, but considering everything, there's a really good wide receiver on the board here for them. So at number 28, the Baltimore Ravens, with the 28th overall pick, are going to select wide receiver Dan, Denzel Mims. 
Baylor, uh, this guy, you know, big body receiver, does a really good job of maneuvering around uh, his the defenders in the air. Uh, he has really great hands, had a good combine. This is some a, a big body guy uh, that they can pair alongside Marquise Brown, and I think that this will be a good addition for them. They just lost Hayden Hurst. Uh, obviously, the tight ends are a big part of what Lamar Jackson does in this offense. Now, with 28, they certainly could have gone running back. They could have gone DeAndre Swift or maybe some of those other uh, guys. I mean, to be honest, outside of Jonathan Taylor and DeAndre Swift, I think there's a little bit of a drop-off in terms of reaching. Um, so, in my opinion, that's why they go wide receiver here and fill, fill a pretty a pretty considerable need with Denzel Mims. Yeah, um, th- there's one other receiver that, that – that... I'm going to get to very soon that I, I might have went with over Mims here. But I like the pick. I think if Jonathan Taylor was also on the board, I think I could have easily seen Jonathan Taylor being the heir apparent to take the Mark Ingram job after this year. But for what we see on the board right here, uh, I'm not really going to argue against the Denzel Mims pick. He, he is what – Baltimore would need, you know, body type wise if they want to expand that wide receiver group. And then that brings up the Titans at 29. Uh, I've I've read that, you know, a lot of the fan base wants to go tackle here. I I think you'll agree with me, you know, you you being a Titans fan and to clear everybody up, I'm a Colts. Fan, <laughs> natural rivalry between us with me being a Colts fan and me a Titans fan. Um, but I, I think defensive end is honestly the bigger need here for, for the Titans. And I, I think uh, Mr. Uh, AJ Epineza out of Iowa is going to fill that defensive end void pr- pretty nicely. I, I, I like his tape. I think he's going probably right around where he should. In, even in, in you know in a non dueling mock in just a regular mock or the draft for the real draft in general, I think this is the range he's going to go in, and I think I think the Titans could land him on draft day, and I think Titans fans should feel. Good. Yeah, I mean, I think it's a good pick. I certainly wouldn't be upset with it. Um, to me, I think that um, this is just my suspicion. I think that Jadavian Clowney is is going to end up signing with the Titans. All all signs point to that. Right now, I mean, it's certainly possible that he doesn't, but I think that there's a good chance he does. So in that case, um, I think that the Titans would probably end up going, you know, maybe A.J. Terrell in this situation, Jalen Johnson going with a a top cornerback if they end up not trading out, which they may certainly look to do. But personally, if I'm John Robbins here, John Robinson here at 29, I'm a really big fan of YGM, uh, Utier, Gross Matos. I think he is the better pass rusher uh, as opposed to AJ Epinesa. Now, I will say Epinesa reminds me a lot of like Kyle Vandenbosch, just a really big body, moves people really well. He's very long, um, so he's able to kind of interrupt those those uh, rushing lanes and uh, and scoop up running backs as they try to get through. So I think that he's a great player. Just to me, YGM is the better pass rusher, and he's still available here at 29, which is crazy. I think he's there's a good chance that he goes uh, a little bit earlier. But regardless, I think it's a good pick. Um, Titans can't really go wrong here. I mean, as long as it's not offensive tackle at this point, I think it would be a bit of a reach for some of those other guys, but I think it's a good pick. 
All right, moving forward, we got the Green Bay Packers picking at number 30. Now, with that, there's some options here for them. They could certainly go wide receiver. T. Higgins still on the board. I'm pretty big on T. Higgins. He's my next best available wide receiver. Um, so they could certainly go that route. Um, they still have, uh, obviously, Devontae Adams, um, Valdez Scantling still there for them to sure up that number two spot. They could certainly use the competition and the depth. But to me, there is a glaring need when you take a look at this roster, Dalton, and it is the defensive line. Currently, they have two. Now, I could be wrong, but as of NFL, per NFL.com today, it shows that they only have two defensive ends uh, listed on the roster. They have you know, a handful of defensive tackles, but as far as the outside defensive linemen, they need serious, serious help. And there is an incredible pass rusher still on the board right now. So with the 30th overall pick, the Green Bay Packers are going to go defensive end. It's here, Gross Matos from Penn State. He inc- has incredible length. Reminds me a lot of James Pierre Paul coming out. Really good length, really good speed for his size. Uh, has really good bend. Uh, his techniques are very. His technique is very strong, uh, and I think that he is a day one starter for them, given their current roster, um, and you know help that de- sure up that defense to help them. You know for those late playoff pushes, as long as Aaron Rodgers is still slinging it back there, I mean he can turn a you know a scrub receiver into a, a pretty good player. So I think that they're going to be okay at the receiver position. They can of course address that. There's still quite a few receivers. It's a really deep receiver class, so I feel like they can address that a little later, but they take the best player available and fill a huge need for them at, themselves at the same time. Yeah, and and I think looking at the 29th and 30th pick, I think those picks are interchangeable. I think whichever one goes at 29, yeah. the other one's going at 30. And that's why I, I I agree with the pick with what we have on the board here, hundred percent. And I'll just I'll just go ahead and move on to the thirty first pick. You know, earlier in the draft, San Francisco got to address their secondary, bringing in a future building block when the time is right. And I think right here, you know, we look at the offense, and Emmanuel Sanders is now gone. He's he's with New Orleans, and he's going to have a field day with Drew Brees. I I, I think. They are going to draft T. Higgins, wide receiver from Clemson. Great pick. I think I think T. Higgins is one of the more slept-on players in this draft. I think if he if he ends up falling to the second round, it could be a potential steal. The definition of a steal. I think T. Higgins' upside is right there with the top receivers in this draft. I think his upside is up there with, with your top two guys. It's just what, what's hurt T. Higgins is he, he did not go to the combine. He was, a little, he was a little banged up towards the end of the year, but the tape is there. The numbers are there. He, he played under Dabo at Clemson, so character issues are probably not a problem. And I think this would just be a, a very, very, very good pick for, for, for San Francisco. I think it makes sense on, on a lot of levels, and especially in this mock, this dueling mock, 
it makes a lot of sense for them to go T Higgins. Yeah, yeah, I I absolutely love this pick. I, I'm I'm really big on T Higgins as well. I think he is, you know, not too far behind that tier one of of receivers. I have him rated as my as my fourth uh, fourth receiver, but to me personally, I think. Like you said, with Epinesa and, and YGM, I think he's pretty interchangeable with uh, Denzel Mims and, and even Justin Jefferson, for that matter. So I think that that is a absolute great value at 31 for the Niners. They get their wide receiver talent that they can add, um, you know, basically replace that, that void that Emmanuel Sanders left, which is certainly uh, something that they'll have to add. Um, they, they need weapons desperately on this offense. They don't need to take any steps back. They're right on the cusp. Jimmy G has to take that next step, so he's got to have some weapons. So that's a great pick for them. Um, to finish it out here, guys, we got uh, the 32nd pick, your Super Bowl champion, Kansas City Chiefs. Um, this is a very, very talented roster still, but there is a player that has fallen to 32 that I personally think is you know mid first round talent in my opinion we saw an incredible safety in Grant Delpit get taken earlier in our mock to the New England Patriots so for me at 32 with the 32nd overall pick in 2020 NFL draft the Kansas City Chiefs select uh, safety Xavier McKinney from Alabama uh, you know they could have gone a couple of different ways here they could have certainly addressed the running back position currently they have like nine running backs on their roster which obviously will get trimmed down but Damian Williams uh, certainly in my opinion could have you could have argued Super Bowl MVP for Damian Williams he had a garbage time touchdown sure but that's two touchdowns over 100 yards rushing I mean can't really ask for much more from a running back certainly the MVP favors the quarterback, and, and Mahomes had a great game, so not taking anything away from him. But what I'm saying is that they got great production out of him. Obviously, LaShawn McCoy not going to be returning for them, so can they address the running back position later? There's so much talent in this draft. They certainly can reach into the second, third round, fourth round even, and get a good quality backup that can be paired because it's a running back by committee situation. So I don't feel like they need to take a running back here. However, they take the best player available, in my opinion, with Xavier McKinney. You pair him with uh, – uh, Tyron Matthew, and then you have a serious, serious upgrade to your defense, which already played so well. So I think this is a, just a, a perfect pick for them. Yeah, I mean, obviously, if he's on the board right here, he is the slam dunk pick. Not, not much more to really, not much needed to justify that pick. And, and you know, I, I do agree that Damian Williams probably should have been the MVP because Patrick Mahomes ended up having the worst QBR of any quarterback to win Super Bowl MVP with a yeah. 62 QBR. So I, I, I do agree. Damian Williams probably should have been the MVP of that game based on impact from start. Yeah, but that's not sexy because he's a running back. <laughs> but anyways, <laughs> uh, so that's going to do it, guys. 32 picks. Uh, I'm going to run through them really quickly just because we don't have any visuals. Um, but uh, – my phone's about to die, and we, we just <laughs> went through this full explanation, so I'm just going to run through this really quick. Um, obviously, number one overall pick, Cincinnati Bengals go with Joe Burrow. That's easy. 
uh, Chase Young, number two, to the Washington Redskins. Our first trade of the draft happened with the L.A. Chargers moving up to number three and trading with the Detroit Lions to take Tua Tungavailoa, a quarterback from Alabama. He'll be able to sit back and learn. And then you have the New York football Giants are going to be taking Isaiah Simmons, linebacker from Clemson, and then Miami landing their quarterback of the future, Justin Herbert, at number five. They don't have to spend any picks there. They get their guy. Number six, the Detroit Lions, after trading with the L.A. Chargers, are going to land defensive uh, interior uh, defensive tackle Derek Brown from Alabama. And then arguably the biggest shock of the draft so far for our mock, we had the Tampa Bay Buccaneers trading up with the Carolina Panthers, moving up to number seven to take cornerback Jeffrey Okuda from Ohio State. Um, And then another big trade, the Denver Broncos trading with the Arizona Cardinals with the eighth overall pick. They are going to be taking wide receiver Jerry Judy from Alabama, filling a huge need there. Moving on to number nine, Javon Kenlaw is the pick for the Jacksonville Jaguars. Uh, number 10, the Cleveland Browns take the first tackle off the board, Makai Becton from Louisville. Number 11, we see a couple of wide receivers go. New York Jets taking wide receiver CeeDee Lamb. No surprise there. Big weapon for Sam Darnold. Number 12, we have the Las Vegas Raiders going Henry Ruggs, the third wide receiver from Alabama, adding some some speed there for the Raiders. Uh, number 13, the San Francisco 49ers going to take cornerback C.J. Henderson from Florida. Huge, huge addition there to their secondary. Number 14, via the trade with Tampa Bay, the Carolina Panthers ended up going outside linebacker Caleb on chase on. And then number 15, via trade with the Denver Broncos, the Arizona Cardinals are able to land their guy. Biggest steal of the draft, maybe. Offensive tackle Tristan Wirfs from Iowa. Maybe arguably one of the biggest surprises of the draft. Sitting put at 16, the Atlanta Falcons going to take their quarterback of the future, quarterback Jordan Love from Utah State. Moving on, Dallas, sitting at number 17, are going to actually go offensive tackle. Jedrick Wills getting a great talent there, shoring up the offensive line, maybe even shoring up some of that money for Dak. Uh, So a big pick there, taking the best possible player available. Number 18, the Miami Dolphins are going to go offensive tackle as well, and they're going to get a huge steal falling down to 18 in Andrew Thomas, offensive tackle from Georgia. Las Vegas Raiders are back up at 19, and this time they're going cornerback. They're going to go with shutdown corner Christian Fulton out of LSU. Moving on to 20, Jacksonville also going to fill a huge need at cornerback cornerback with uh, cornerback Jeff Gladney from TCU. And then at 21, uh, a you know, probably not the sexiest pick for, for Eagles fans, but certainly a strong pick. Number 21, uh, 21st overall pick, the Eagles went with Patrick Queen, linebacker from LSU. Then Minnesota at 22, very happily taking Justin Jefferson, wide receiver from LSU, as he slides past the Eagles. And then at 23, the Belichick-led Tom Brady-less New England Patriots going with uh, safety standout Grant Delpit from LSU. 24, New Orleans Saints going Kenneth Murray, linebacker from Oklahoma, filling a huge need at linebacker for them. Then at 25, Minnesota Vikings coming back in again, picking cornerback Trayvon Diggs, staying in the family, filling a huge need at cornerback. 
Then at 26, Miami Dolphins, with their third pick of the first round, end up going with center Cesar Ruiz from Michigan, filling a huge void, adding two top talents to their offensive line to help quarterback Justin Herbert in this mock. And then at 27, another shocking surprise trade. The Arizona Cardinals are trading back into the first round with the Seattle Seahawks using some of that currency they gained from the trade with the Denver Broncos. And they're going to be taking their running back of the future, Jonathan Taylor, running back from Wisconsin. Then at 28, Baltimore Ravens adds to the wide receiver depth with Denzel Mims, wide receiver from Baylor. 29, the Tennessee Titans stay put. They don't trade out, and they go with defensive lineman A.J. Epinesa from Iowa. Then at 30, Green Bay Packers follow suit on the defensive front and go with Etier Gross-Matus, defensive end from Penn State. San Francisco end out their first round with their second overall choice, 31st. Overall choice in the 2020 draft, the Niners go with wide receiver from Clemson, T. Higgins. And then lastly, the Kansas City Chiefs steal Xavier McKinney, safety from Alabama, with the last pick of the first round. And guys, that's, that's our mock. That's our joint mock. It was fun, Dalton. Uh, I really appreciate you know you taking the time. I mean, who knows? Maybe we might have another joint mock. This was a lot of fun to do. Um, I think it makes a lot of sense. We'll certainly save this. So that way we can refer to it later and see how close we get. Probably not very close, but regardless, it was fun. Dalton, you have any uh, final thoughts? Uh, I just, I, it was a lot of fun. And, uh, I mean, whenever everybody listens to this, I'd love to hear some feedback. You know, on Twitter, I'm at GoldenBoy615. And... Whenever this comes up, just shoot some feedback our way. To follow off that, you can tweet at me as well, at esportsvalen. That's E-S-P-O-R-T-S-V-A-L-E-N. Yeah, show us, you know, share your opinions with us. We would love to hear it. Um, But that's going to do it for us. This is the Just Our Opinion podcast, episode one, focusing on our joint mock draft for the 2020 NFL draft. We were so excited to watch that. And um, that's going to do it for us, guys. So make sure you go follow us on Twitter. We'll be creating probably some social media accounts for our podcast. Uh, If you sat and watched it for the whole hour and 10 minutes, we greatly appreciate you guys. Um, But that's going to do it for, for me.